Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the System and Hustler Squad podcast. Today, JP, Tom and myself had an interesting chat. Firstly, we started talking about the last four weeks. We've been scammed twice. Our Instagram's been hacked. We've got it back. Some interesting stories come out of that. Tom talks about the match betting landscape at the moment, how much money is on offer. And we finish getting a little bit philosophical and sentimental. JP talks us through his Africa chat and I talk a bit about Canada. Hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Anyway, here we are. I don't know what episode we're at. Eight. Probably, is it episode eight? Yes. Welcome back to the System Hustler Squad podcast, everyone. It's been a little while since we last did our podcast. I think it was probably October, November. Oh, we did the one with Max and Mason. That's right. That was November though, wasn't it? Well, or December. It was right before you two fucked off. Yeah. So we have been away for a little bit. JP's been in Africa. I've been in Canada and we've left the reins for Tom over the last couple of months and he managed to keep everything afloat until JP and I got back and we got our Instagrams banned. So obviously we made it pretty vocal to the community that we had our Instagrams banned. It was Instagram's probably our you know our major um, social media that we use to sort of get our content out there. And so it was a pretty deflating to have our Instagram banned, but it also raised a lot of questions about the lack of capability of Meta, Facebook, Instagram. It was pretty sort of. I don't know, a bit eye-opening for me to see how poor they were when we basically came with them to a, with a not, problem. They weren't even poor, they were non-existent. They basically were non-existent. Yeah. Um, and it raised a lot of questions, it raised a lot of concerns. Obviously, there's a lot of people out there who use their Instagram and their social medias to basically stimulate their whole business and get leads, whatever it may be. You got your OnlyFans models, you got a lot of PTs, you got a lot of people selling products and everything. And basically, we discovered that Instagram can essentially just turn off your account at the flick of a button with no warning and no prior sort of violations. violations. So it was something that we sort of were woke up to on, I think it was the 20th of Jan or something like that. Both of our accounts got banned and yeah, pretty, pretty sort of tough start to the year, but um, I don't know if we want to go into it. I think people might find it pretty interesting yeah. sort of the process that we had to go through to get our Instagram back. We were, you know, very lucky to get it back, but it was through a lot of probably you know sleepless nights and a lot of stress to get it back yeah it was very unexpected and i guess it was it woke us up a little bit i think woke us up in a sense of like realizing that we were very much relying on one social media platform probably too much and although we don't want to do that instagram has done a lot of good stuff for us like it's the way in which it's the easiest way to send voice recordings and get personal with the potential members or anyone asking questions so to have that removed, it was like, fuck, now we're screwed, basically. Our YouTube has only got, what, 600 subscribers or whatever. TikTok's hit and miss. You lose that every three months if you don't post the right shit. And then what else is like Facebook page and stuff. So, mm. um, yeah, cool. No, none of our members were affected because all our back-end processes are through our website so and through Telegram, which is fine. But, yeah, in terms of the new content we're putting out, we've lost – we did lose all of our stuff in terms of the content as well the DMs, thousands of DMs, and then we managed to get it back. I don't know if we want to explain what happened there, but long story short, shout out to Carl. Um, he managed to get us onto a contact at Facebook Meta Pro, and they've literally been elite. Like We now have a personal probably Meta contact, I would say, um, which is funny story. We've now gone from a super diabolical situation, obviously a big first world problem, to now having a really, really strong contact now which has made us even better and it's funny how you flip around a month diabolical situation from a business sense to now being even stronger as a, as a company and as a product yeah. um positive from a negative huge and it's enabled us to then focus 
and diversify what our plans are for 2023, I guess. Yeah, I think there was definitely some learnings that I definitely took from it. I think when it first happened, when we woke up that morning of, obviously the Hustle Squad account got banned. Yeah, two days earlier. Two days earlier, and then the system account got banned. I woke up, it was 6 a.m. I had a message from you, and it was like, our account's gone as well, the system account's gone as well. I'm like, oh my God, and it was just panic, straight away, just panic. But I think it was um, something that, you know, you, you realize, you know, sort of running a little small business is you just things are not always going to go your way it's as simple as that so there was definitely sort of a, all right let's just take a breath breathe and sort of you know hear out the situation and figure out you know what we're going to do next with that situation um it was a good uh learning curve for us as well um not just from a business sense but also you know we're always sitting here talking about long term and patience and discipline and setting mm. things up and I feel like we, especially the first couple of days, it was kind. Of, it was definitely like panic stations. Like, this is the worst thing ever. Blah 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 blah. And then you know, do we start a new one? Do we do this? Do we do that? And then we kind of got ourselves in a position where, for a couple of weeks, because we were so unsure, Doing we nothing. just fucking did nothing. And mm. like, it sounds so stupid now because we think like, look back on it, we got it back. And then we're like, what the like, what the fuck did we do for two weeks? Like, yeah. had all these ideas and didn't do anything. And uh, it's pretty unusual for us, especially being, you know, when JP sometimes drives the ship, it's more so, there's not really much thinking, it's just more acting and doing stuff and then seeing or dealing with the consequences of whatever comes out the other side. I know that's how JP works most of the time, it's just do something and then we'll adapt to whatever happens and then, yeah, this came up and we were like fucking stun mullets, we didn't do anything for like two yeah. weeks, like we were trying to do things but... We were planning yeah. in the background but nothing actually came of it, yeah. I would like to think that we didn't do nothing because we haven't seen the results of, of the planning or the ideas yet as they haven't come out, we've set up potentially like those programs where we're trying to do social media planners, we've tried to hire some more people on board, getting a f- probably two to three people on the back end from a sense of social media management, uh, videography and editing which has been a fucking process which we'll talk about in a sec but yeah when 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 we lost it it was very like deflating and i lost a lot of motivation like you go to make a video or you want to make something you want to reply to a comment and it's like well, fuck where am i posting this on tiktok only and it's just like yeah can't be fucked go do something else go play chess or go go do some other crap but you did kind of touch on it like there was a lot of negatives but also like since then we have like there's been so many positives that have come from it a couple that i can think of at the top of my head is we learn a fuck ton during that whole process you know it's related slash unrelated we end up getting scammed twice yeah i don't know how deep into that we want to go but i was definitely the first victim of the scam <laughs> we lost two thousand bucks to this scam um so yeah at the end of the day we had somebody that showed a very keen interest in our social media and wanted to take it on board and to steer us in the right direction and sold me the dream basically while steve and jp were away and uh yeah obviously busy, the- busy times and started <laughs> no. going through everything and it sounded amazing and these blokes were you know jp was halfway up a mountain steve was 38 beers deep on, on another mountain <laughs> snowboarding down the side of it taking and our kids sent off a fuck yeah nailing little kids <laughs> not nailing, oh, oh, nailing their knees <laughs> yeah kneecapping yeah, taking tackling. them out on the hill on the mountain <laughs> slopes whatever the fuck you call it jeez that's gonna be a horrid blooper <laughs> put that up <laughs> but yeah we, but so i was in a very vulnerable state running the two companies and yeah this guy got me um so let's go into a little board. bit of, yeah let's talk about yeah that. let's go into a bit of detail so we're, we're looking for a social media manager someone who can basically manage our social medias as the name would suggest and 
we were looking for someone with a bit of expertise, someone who had done it in the past, and we sent out a couple of adverts, and we got a we got a really good resume. It was a very very impressive resume. I remember you sent it to the group chat. It was a presentation. It was elite. You know, I had a photo of the guy, and he had this four step four week plan about what he was going to do with us and where he was going to take us. And essentially, you were really the only one, Tom, that was talking to him throughout the process because JP and I were away. And then we met up with him four weeks after we initially paid him. So we put him on a trial, $500 a week, and we met up with him. And I remember he walked in to this meeting, first time meeting JP and I. JP and I had hardly spoken to him. You'd spoken to him a lot on the phone. We'd never met him in person. And we, he walked in, he's just like, so what do you guys got for me? And that was basically what he said. Or I think you might have asked JP, you might have asked, oh, um, how do we want to run this? And he was just like, oh, depend, you know, what have you guys got just for me? Just run questions like, me. What do you mean? What have you got? For, what have we yeah. got for you? We've just paid you two grand. What have you got for us? That was my initial first alarm with him. Anyway, then sort of, does anyone else want to continue about what happened? Yeah, well, we sat, obviously sat through a three... <laughs> And oh, was, three and a half hours. I'll talk about it? the first hour and a half. So we we did whatever we did. We discussed shit. He had a lot of, um, I guess, theories about different things. But there was one thing like he showed us on the Instagram function. It was about like the arrows on the analytics, which is actually uh, shares. Yeah. But he said it's how many DMs we got. And then I was like, well, hang on a second. You can't like not know that if you're an expert of social media. Then we had a lunch break. And I was still okay. I was kind of going with it. I still wasn't like, skeptical of him just yet i was kind of cautious you were too fucking he, i don't know if he was paying you extra for, <laughs> yes. for feedback to give to us or whatever or he was paying you way more and then you were pocketing it and then t- not telling us or something maybe but no nah, we got out of the thing do the banking you wouldn't have a clue yeah, you did all, all the zeros i've so been skimming who knows? for months no nah, but we went there got some food me and steve went together you were still inside the where we where we had the coffee and then steve's like he go, well, he said something like, I reckon this guy's full of shit or something. Or he said like something like, oh, like I'm not really sold on this guy. I think he's bullshit. Yeah, it wasn't sold. And then when he said that, I was kind of, then I started thinking and it like flicked a switch in my head and I started seeing all this other shit after the break. We went away from the meeting, whatever. We said we'd follow him up and do something in the next couple of days, let him know where we're at, whether we'd go ahead with it. And then after like reviewing some stuff, doing some homework, getting uh, the private investigator that we usually use to, to get uh, a little bit of an audit of people, we came across some stuff and we were just pretty much, like we realised he was probably pulling our legs a bit. Yeah. Um, well, he, he came yeah. he came in with great ideas and he, he was a great visionary. Yeah, and he, was, he, was a, yeah. he was a good bloke, let's be real, like in terms of the way he came across and spoke and presented himself and he was very easy to hang out with and talk with, very charismatic, that sort of thing. But then... We yeah we started reviewing that four week plan that he yeah. said he was going to do, and we we're all so it was a, it was a bit of tension between the three of us. Obviously, Tommy were very pro for him. I was very yeah. against him. And JP, you're probably somewhat in the middle. So there was a bit of tension between us. But then we looked at this four week review, and he said that he was going to do this. He said he was going to do A B yeah. C one two three, and he'd done probably five percent of what he said he'd do. Yeah, max. and also had provided insight insight with inverted commas on things that wasn't a complete analysis. So he yeah. said that he was going to do a full thorough analysis of all our social media platforms yeah. and, and see how potential content varied or performed across each of the of the platforms. And he only looked at our Instagram and we had a TikTok account that was booming. And some of our videos did very well on TikTok, but didn't do well on Instagram. Yeah. So he said, don't do those videos because they didn't do well on Instagram. But he's failed to forget or he, he's forgotten. We that, had you YouTube know, too. We had YouTube. And it's like, just because they didn't do well on Instagram doesn't mean there's not value in that content. So not only did he not do a thorough analysis, what he did provide was technically, you can't really take it you know, for, 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 what, it, for what it's worth because... 
it actually is doing well in other platforms. Yeah, it wasn't a holistic approach to everything. Correct, like yeah. You look at one platform and obviously it paints a little picture, but you zoom out, you see everything and you get the correct information. But mm. also with the analytics, he was saying things like, oh, like we asked him, how do you know? Like our question, yeah. he had this comment about the suit podcast we did and he said, never wear suits again on the podcast. Obviously we did it as a piss take. It wasn't to do anything special, but all of the reels from that podcast went really well. All the TikToks went really well. And then we actually got a lot of sub- new subscribers around that time. Whether it's a coincidence, I'm not sure. But he just said, don't do it again. It's bad for the algorithm or it didn't work and or bad for the image and stuff like that. Which I said to Tom straight up, I disagree with. Tom's kind of like, well, just listen to him. And I'm like, no, I want to actually understand. Like, I, I think I'm someone who probably over-questions things or I, like would rather someone explain something to me first and I see it happen rather than me just take it for what it's worth at the start. Yeah. So you can call me probably a, I don't know, ultra critical before I believe something. It's fine to challenge Um, things. And and I think that's a good way to be um, to a degree. But then we asked him, how did you do the analytics? And he's just kind of like, oh, I just kind of know from looking at it. And we're just like, well, we're like, what are we paying for? Like I could get my grandma to look at my social media. And if it said 200 likes on one person, 40 on another, you just assume the 200 likes is better. Um, But that's the kind of analysis we were getting. It was very subjective. It wasn't specific. It It wasn't presented in a way in which it was very like objectifiable you couldn't look at anything and say all right we're going to increase that or decrease this it was just kind of like throwing shit advice at us every uh left right and center which we didn't pay for i guess at the end of the day but and so then well so then what so we've (laughs) decided that he's probably not gonna continue on with us we've realized that he's probably a bit of a bit of a shit talker um and then we gave him a chance we we said to him we said we sent him a message after being back and forth speaking to him for best part of four weeks a lot of voice messages back and forth a couple of calls and then we said to him look look matt matt butler um (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna give you two weeks unpaid to do the work that you said you were gonna do that we've paid for we sent that off we sent a massive analysis of all the work that he said he was gonna do and what did we get what did we get in return (laughs) Crickets. <laughs> Legit not. crickets. I think he's blocked your number as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, well, I think he's a scammer. We called um, the company. Well, that- yeah, I mean, after <laughs> we followed up with... So one of the one of the claims, I guess, now was like he said that he worked for True Protein and built up there. He was the chief marketing officer at True Protein. And then, you know, after not hearing back from him for a little while, I was like, mm, that, that just kind of just doesn't add up. Why, why, would, why would that... Like, yeah. Why would he not respond? So then I contacted True Protein... <laughs> And this, I sent them an email. I called them first and asked, can I speak to someone in the marketing department? And they said that they'd only respond to me via email. So I sent them an email. And as soon as my email went through, uh, eight, 10 minutes later, I got a call from them. Oh. And they were like, hi, is this Thomas that's, that's inquiring about a Matthew Butler? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, how do you, like, how have you found this guy's name? What, what kind of association? What's he told you about True Protein? And it was really like, she was really coy and, kind of alarmed and i was like what the fuck is going on here and then she and then i was like oh he just you know he's, he said that he mentioned that he was chief marketing officer and grew your grew your brand and we just wanted to get a reference for him and she's like no nah, that's completely false like he just didn't do that here at true protein so yeah obviously after that it was kind of like well what the fuck so but yeah. he did have an association with true protein yeah i don't know they we had some sort details. of deal but he wasn't chief marketing officer so for anybody else out there if Matt Butler ever tells you anything about social media, please don't give him the time of day because <laughs> he's $2,000 richer, thanks to me. Yeah. I reckon it's not even <clears throat> But who knows? Um, yeah. yeah, just be... But that was a good lesson for us to be mindful and like obviously even in our... We, we did get kind of 
by our like we got scammed again to an extent i guess but we kind of knew what we were getting into the second time when we we're in our dire straits trying to get our instagram back and yeah. we, we thought we'd potentially f- <laughs> found a hacker that could uh get into oh, the back one. end of Insta- we, we could get into the uh back end of instagram and uh, get our accounts back and what did we send him a bit of bitcoin that yeah it's definitely not coming bitcoin. back <laughs> steve's bitcoin yeah my bitcoin don't, yeah. don't fucking put that on the car i got a Let text message from steve from being like so how do i get my bitcoins reversed <laughs> 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 no nah, to be fair we, we knew like me and steve sorted that and we were just sitting there on the phone like we're just like yeah we're probably Worth gonna get pun. scammed here but like the information they were coming back with us it looked like semi-legit Hang on, hang on. Access let's, 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 <laughs> oh, that that's fucked. Fuck. That one was. Let, let's backtrack a bit because people are going to be a little confused. We've jumped stories here, yeah, so good. we've gone back to our Instagram getting deleted and trying to get our Instagram back. We got in contact with someone, uh, a model on Instagram who who's had her Instagram account oh, yeah. banned a couple of times, and she gave us a number to a hacker in Pakistan. And this hacker in Pakistan claimed that he could get accounts unbanned on Instagram. Now, he seemed very genuine. She swore by him. She'd used him a number of times. And it seemed like a pretty legitimate service. There was a lot of talk on forums on the internet of people who have done this and hackers in, Insta- hackers in Pakistan have contacts in indonesia or the philippines or whatever who were working in the back end of meta and facebook and instagram and they can essentially just turn on your account so we were in contact with this hacker in pakistan but he was a bit slow motion it was a bit poor on us it was a bit poor on him and at the end of the day it just wasn't working so i decided to take a crack with someone online who claimed to be a hacker who could get through to instagram and unban accounts and yeah unfortunately it was just a just another scam so we got scammed twice in the space of about three weeks yeah but learned plenty and as i said like the things that we picked up like we've made a i feel feel like we've uh through it all we've helped back to the bench massively i'm not sure if people that are listening to this know who they are but our learnings where we were able to get their instagram back for them and teach them not teach them we're not their fucking parents or whatever but a lot of stuff that we learned, we were able to pass on to them. And I think that's helped them massively set up what they're doing going forward. And we've also made a really great connection with Anabolic Gabe for anybody out there that knows. And he's going to be on our next podcast, which is going to be awesome. Managed to, yeah, he was someone else that lost their Instagram. We weren't the only ones. It seems to be like an Instagram wide problem at the moment. I've been reading articles on some mm. of those, you know, smaller news people about like photographers and stuff losing their whole business as soon as their Instagram goes down. So yeah, from some of the negatives, we've obviously been able to, we've got a couple of extra Instagram accounts now that we can fall back on. We've started to try some new processes and also made some really good connections that I think will be awesome. Not only like we were able to get Gabe's Instagram back, which he was super thankful yeah, for. Within and, three hours. I'm sure he thought it was bullshit when we contacted him. And then yeah. literally within three hours of contacting our contact, it was bang. He's like, and now we've got some like good back and forth. He was sharing some Instagram stuff with yeah. us and yeah, he's really thankful and it's nice to be able to connect with Someone else in the space where obviously he has nothing to do with betting, but he's super massive about building up, you know, especially younger males and helping them yeah, make their way through yeah. life essentially. And it's it's nice to be able to, to do something. And I'm I'm excited to to get him in in the room or in the office, should I say? Yeah. Um, the next time we record a podcast, obviously we'll be in the office. I don't know if we want to speak about that at all. Obviously, it's something pretty That's massive. Been- That's a huge next step for both of our companies. Doesn't yep. need to be touched on much, but obviously, you know, we're moving into a brand new office in seven days' time, six days' time, which is ah, fucking hopefully. exciting. And uh, yep. some new no, te- new team members, like, it, yeah. Who no, it's very, two and it's a half very years exciting. Ago? Like, obviously, it's March, what, two now? We would have expected to be in by, I think, end of Jan, but we probably all knew it yeah. was going to get drawn out. Probably didn't expect this long, 
Um, but being a new building and developer and architect and sorting couches and getting measurements and desks and yeah, like it's it's all learning for us. And obviously it's been a little bit inefficient. We're trying to run these two companies via text message essentially. And the last few weeks we've been doing probably three meetings a week in person, full days. Um, As much as it doesn't feel like it's productive, it's probably we're getting there. Um, But yeah, the office is going to be next level. Like we're going to film so much more content from a sense of showing people what the fuck we do. Like, the end of the day yeah, people probably so think good. oh yeah just film a video and it just gets posted like talk about small business later and what goes on behind the scenes i think that's quite interesting people who are like you were saying before that there's like not much of a world like we're in a very small part mm. of like we're not fucking the best but in terms of like there's not many people that most people just work for someone yeah um and there's not a lot of people that i don't know live in this world for, for yeah a i think it's time. i think it's it's, it's definitely i mean for myself, I've only just gone you know, you quit your job. fully, yeah, fully quit my job basically at the end of last year, and already this year being fully reliant on your own business is a different level of stress that I'm already getting a little bit used to now. Yeah. I don't know. You've probably got a much better idea than both of you. What actually, what kind of stress? Just the stress of oh shit like this is like it's, it's a higher stakes there's less to fall back on like no, if you have no coasting there's no, there's no yeah, coasting you don't there's no wage coming and, it's like if desk all day exactly right when I, something happens when i was at anz if i didn't do anything all day i didn't give a shit and i did that a lot of the time and i just didn't care but here it's like if you're if you're wasting a couple of days you waste a couple of weeks even when our instagram was down we touched on before you waste those couple of weeks and you're like well this is actually d- directly impacting you know potentially your livelihood so it's a different higher stake sort of higher reward i think it's much more enjoyable and much more benefit or personally beneficial um but these are the sort of the little things that um definitely are, are, are tricky i guess with running a small business well you're in full control of your destiny essentially like if you don't work you don't get paid and if you don't yeah. if you work hard you can fucking achieve massive and i no, no sick days here yeah i'd much rather live in a world where if I do really well and, and work really hard, I get rewarded for it rather than, oh, yeah, cool, work for this guy. And I know people hate hearing this, but you work for your boss. You yeah. do an extra fucking five hours this week. You'll get paid for the five hours, but you're not going to get paid for the boss's revenue that generated him five times the income for the week or something. And that's kind of pretty harsh to say, but this is why we have chosen to do this. And we haven't just been gifted this fucking this life yeah. like we've taken no, of the course. risks and you've taken the risk we told you to quit your job for like a year and a half and you finally pulled the trigger <laughs> got out of your little contract you had with your company yeah. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about that but, uh, yeah actually I'm definitely not I'm sure. <laughs> well I can talk for you if you want I can That's talk for you you can just sit there and <laughs> well no what I'm saying is yeah, we, we got what we need to do done and now you're we're three of us who essentially are dedicating our lives to these businesses and and trying to achieve shit together um there will probably be like i don't know if you talk, talk about the merge but we'll probably merge as as uh two brands into one just to make things a little bit easier um for everyone involved uh us and the audience so yeah for the audience so so if, what would a merger look like for the audience what, what's the benefit for them as to why we would yeah. be doing this so i guess now we're two different brands we get a lot of questions hey who are you? Are you the hustle squad? Are you the system? What's the difference? Where do I start? Um, and essentially, we've got the videos out there that we've put together that explain it, but it's a very much an inefficient process to explain what the fuck's the difference, basically. But under the one banner, it would look like, okay, here is the brand and these are the products. And it's very clear where you should start based on who you are, how much experience, bankroll, what you want to get out of it, mm. as opposed to seeing the hustle squad, the system, 
pop-ups every like heaps of different shit two instagrams two tiktoks whatever yep. else so two websites so for, for the audience you're going to see we don't know what it's going to be called what, how it's going to look but we're, we're definitely probably going to merge um and then also for us um not that many people probably want to talk about us but us working towards the same goal and everyone being like for example you're not officially part of hustler from a financial sense to this point but working getting everyone involved <laughs> And that was you to be able to then, he said working for free if you didn't hear it. But no, like getting everyone on the same goal is going to help the business and the products and our results to what we want to achieve, which is changing the culture of gambling yeah. in Australia. That, at the end of the day, like, cool, we're making money from this and making other people money from this. But our core goal, I would say, I don't know, I want to speak to you boys, but the culture in Australia is what we want to change. And like, that's a bigger goal. We want to change this whole space. It's not going to ruin the industry or sound like we're going to be like, like all this rah rah rah. But we definitely want to change people's mindsets and educate more people and save more people from losing money. I guess, and that's going to require three of us. And plus, we're we're getting more. That we've got another guy on board, which we'll introduce maybe on the next couple of podcasts. And we're going to keep increasing our team. And the more people you get, the more manpower you get, the more influence you can have. So, um, yeah, I guess. One thing we can sort of go into, just sort of thinking off the top of my head, one thing you did touch on there is, you know, merging the brand is, is going to allow us to get the content out there and really have as, as maximum impact as possible yeah. to changing that culture. And, you know, there isn't a lot of people, we were speaking to someone the other day, we were buying a couch, JP and I, for the office and we are speaking to a guy and he's like, there's not many people that are sort of talking about what yeah. we're talking about. And um, I think it's, it's probably pretty true. It sort of made me reflect on it a little bit. There really isn't a lot of people sort of trying to raise this awareness as much um, as sort of we are, which is really great. But it's going to take a lot more than that. It's going to take a lot more than just us. Obviously, we're, we're a tiny, tiny drop in, in the industry that is continuously growing. But it has been interesting to see over the last sort of couple of months, there has been a lot more sort of parliamentary action coming into play. There's, there was a parliamentary inquiry um, a couple of weeks ago as to basically the effects of online gaming and gambling. So not just gambling and not just the bookies and not just horse punting but also um the effects that gaming has as well so like online games it's actually there was some fascinating insights about how potential like games that are being made for like under 12s and under 14s and stuff like that they're actually using the same sort of um concepts that the bookies use to lure people in yeah. so like you look at these games where it's like um whatever it is like what was that Flappy Bird? Remember Flappy Bird? And it was just so easy to like purchase coins or something like that. They're using this concept of like basically gambling your money with no intention or no guarantee of getting anything. So this is the whole concept. It's like if you want to, you, you can spend 30 cents or something and you might be, open, be able to open a treasure chest on a game or something like that. And on that treasure chest, that might take you to the next level, but but also might give you nothing. So there's a gamble sort of mindset there. And this whole like parliamentary inquiry was focusing around that. It's like our games actually starting to be tailored to make kids addicted to their phone, make kids addicted to these potential things, which is then being sort of, once they become 18, 19, are able to start gambling, it's just such an easy transition because it's something that they're so used to and looking um and, and is that sort of potentially something that's a problem so this obviously i've gone off a, on a bit of a tangent here um but the, there is some stuff that's being happening you know 
by the government to potentially look at the impacts of, of gambling and raising that awareness. And there's a lot of people who are speaking out about it. Um, there's one guy in particular who was on ABC. I've been in, in touch with Mark. Um, I'm sure he won't, wouldn't mind me, me referencing him. Um, and he's, he's a guy that's had a lot of problems with gambling. And, and he, he spoke at the parliamentary inquiry and, and tried to get them to see things from a gambler's point of view about how bad the, the industry is. So it's great to see that there are things happening in the background, um, but all these little chips chipping away at it like we are trying to do and like you know mark is and and um and i guess hopefully the government's keeping an eye on things hopefully we'll start to change change a few things moving forward not too sure what that will look like not too sure how much power the big yeah you know, well, that's my question do yeah. you actually think the government wants the gambling culture to change and for those out there wondering what i mean obviously there's a lot of money made through gambling, yeah. through the government taxes, uh, or through the taxes that bookmakers, corporate bookmakers play, pay. Um, so do you actually think that, like, this sounds conspiracy theory, do you, do you actually think these, like, powers, high powers, actually want it to change? I don't think it's conspiracy theory. I just think it's well, like, well, it's is, it, is it a priority? Probably not. Like, exactly. and are there people in parliament or in positions of power that probably hate the gambling culture? Sure. And they might want to genuinely make a change. Yeah. And there are, you do see like, you know, senators or people that like members of parliament that are like, you know, we should cap gambling or we should have this. I think in, in Tasmania, they have some sort of $5,000 annual limit for pokies and obviously that's been legislated by somebody there who believes that that's the right direction to go in. But I can't see it being on the list of, you know, no. top priorities. And, you know, you look at the gambling industry at the moment and you look at the, the bookies that are popping up out of nowhere. And, you know, I've never seen so many fucking bookies and bookmakers and whatever the fuck is going on. Like there's like 84 or something. I yeah, saw some fucked. guy post on Twitter. We can probably put the screenshot up yeah. here for those watching. There's like 84 new bookies, six more to come in three more left the industry last like last month like it's it's outrageous what's going on and yeah to be if there was ever like a bloody royal commission into into the gambling industry and how these people are getting licenses and yeah i'd be fascinated to see what comes of it but it is what it is and that's why i guess like you know it, it's it's easy to sit here and take pot shots or be like you know they should do this they should do that but the reality is it, what's happening right now allows us to do what we do um and to it to a small like the small part of me is kind of grateful that we have an ability to be able to because a lot of people say in the comments, you know, people are still going to gamble, right? If we exist and get really big, people are still going to gamble. People are still going to bet. And that's true. And we're not here to fucking try and take down an industry like, oh, you know, if you guys fucking destroy gambling, all these people that look after horses and train horses, that you know, hundreds yeah, of thousands of people are going to lose everywhere. jobs. Like, yeah. that's not what we're interested in. Like, it's just more so like, if you're going to punt, have a fucking idea of what's going to happen to you if you mm. punt. If you punt for twenty years, yeah. uh, just have an idea of how much you are actually just going to lose. Like yeah. you're just going to give it away. You're yeah, pissing and stop it away. joking about it. Like it's not funny. Like, and and there's also <laughs> like the other thing that I've awesome. noticed, especially while you guys are away, and the the fourth person that we brought into our team that we're not discussing yet. Like it's been eye opening working with him, understanding what's actually possible. Yeah. Like there is like, and this is not to pump us up or anything, but you have to genuinely be a moron to not be making money <laughs> nah, in I the agree. landscape right now. The promos, the specials, the amount of accounts you can open up is fucked. It's full fuck. It's never, I made a video the other day. I, I'm convinced it's never, ever been easier to make money match betting. It may not be as lucrative in a sense of how quickly you can, you can make it, but there are, there's never been more opportunities to make money in my opinion. 
It's yeah, so easy. I get angry slash frustrated with people who say like they it's really hard to make money these days in the space or it's not worth it or uh, there's someone on my youtube yesterday goes oh my mate did this and he got all these accounts banned it's not worth it it's like it isn't worth it if you just get like if you're an idiot in a sense of just going out there and d- doing dumb shit signing up withdrawing getting stat deck someone messages yeah, last course. night but even fucking oh can you help me i'm using my mate's bet 365 i just got like can't withdraw the money can you help but you can like like i want you to like whoever's editing this to clip this up you can you're 18 you can open up 80 betting accounts get about six to seven thousand dollars worth of bonus bets learn how to turn the bonus bets into risk-free profit make four grand and potentially never bet again if you want to go down that path now we're not encouraging people to do that but you can do all of that without gambling or risking a single cent yeah. That's how easy it is to make money. And people are going, oh, I'd rather put 10 bucks on a multi to try and win $400 on a Friday night. You can make 10 times that without risking a cent Legit. just from doing the absolute fucking minimum and the absolute basics. So I don't understand how if you had been given that choice at the start, when you're 18, bang, you can either do this and keep doing this without risking any money and keep making profit or gamble. I don't know how people choose gamble over this and how that isn't enticing. Yeah, and then also the people will be like to that, oh, but I've created all the accounts. What can I do now? Well, you just, if, yeah, you're, if you're betting and you haven't been banned, which is the majority of mug punters, they're not going to get banned from fucking sports bet or whatever. The promos there are still exactly as valuable as they were when you started, if not better, because now your account's more like old and they don't look into you as much. And then secondly, if you have losing accounts, if you're full-on addicted to gambling, then... Get off punting. We're not going to encourage you to come to, to match betting at all because that's just not good. But if you want to change your mindset and then you can go into that as well, your accounts are even more valuable. You had bloody, who called you the other day? Play up or something? Oh, yeah, fucking hell. Old, old bag. Still from, waiting. <laughs> old bag. I'm still waiting for a text. Old Apparently lady was... from uh, Play Up called and offered Tom like a kind of a, a VIP, was it? Or I don't know what she was going to No, not VIP. Not VIP. Just, but ringing the point is, right, there's 80 whatever bookies and they're all fighting for your money. Correct. And if you know how to essentially make bidding wars against them and um, use their and share the load around, mate, like you said. That's why I think it's never be, been more valuable. Like, yes, there were, more, there were more lucrative promos. We've talked about, you know, making 30, 40K on the World Cup and we've spoken yeah. about, you know, 24 up and first two goals. And yes, there have been more lucrative single promotions, 100%. But... Right now, the, the amount of access you have to making money doing things the right way is fucked. And it's just baffling that people would opt to punt over making guaranteed risk-free money every single weekend. Like, I just don't understand yeah. that. My mates still do it. Frustrating, like, frustrates the fuck out of me. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's still baffling. Well, it me. goes back to what I spoke about uh, when I went overseas and the way people think, I think, here and there comparison i went to africa obviously different type of world first world versus kind of third world and just the difference in the way people think what their priorities are etc i think a lot of people in western culture are just kind of i don't even know if this is a word but like robotized in the sense of they're just doing things without thinking and things like just betting every week like you don't do you actually think what of what you're doing like why are you placing the bet are you expecting to win i know you can say it's fun but you mate yeah. step back and actually watch what you're doing and analyze it like what are you actually trying to achieve from it because i hope you know you're not going to win long term yeah. like I the hope. act of the act of gambling there there is like a sense of fun yeah of like course. every now and then of course but like when but you're doing it every single weekend like a robot that's what i mean over like, and over again that 
is not fun and you yeah. cannot sit there and justify that it's fun or you're putting a multi on while you're watching the footy on the couch but you're watching it with your missus and she's not punting and she's got no idea what's going on and you're riding your multi like quietly on the couch or whatever the fuck you're doing like that is not fun yeah and it's like you said it is fun once off yeah, twice of once a month once a year whatever once six months but i know if you're betting and it's ten dollars of your week fine keep doing it whatever and, it's, and you're making a grand a week you're spending 10 bucks on gambling go for it but we're talking about the people who mindlessly just do it over and over again and are losing a, a quarter of their paycheck or a half their paycheck um it's just yeah, ask yourself what you're actually doing and I don't know. Ask for help. We'll help you out. We'll help change your mindset. Go watch some of our more shit. And yeah, I don't know. This is where like education, like, you know, the betting IQ of Australians is just in sip. And it's like, it's why it's frustrating seeing like kind of new people come into the space and make themselves look like potentially they're here to help punters or, you know, to show you guys the ropes. And then at the end of the day, they're just fucking associated with another bookie trying to get you to bet on their app to lose yeah. more fucking money. Well, I think so this is what they... The bookies just don't want people to improve. They don't want the betting IQ to increase. Nah. Like that's something that would be the easiest change that could be made in the industry is actually like somehow trying to educate yeah. the, the population of Australia. Like what a bankroll is, or yeah. what a standard unit size is, well, like, or just that you're going to lose. If you or learn that. even just like the fundamentals of how the industry is set up. Like yeah. mm. if you understood that Nathan Brown or Brendan Goddard is paid by Sportsbet yeah. to encourage you to bet more. Like if they're not making you bet more, they're not going to have a job. Well, no, go yeah. zoom out. What's aim? What's the aim of sports bet? Yeah, to make money. Yeah. How? Through losing punters. It's the only way, right? They can't win otherwise. Increase, sorry, not through technically losing, but through increased turnover. The more money yes. that moves through sports bet, the more money they'll make. But ultimately, a lot of their profits would come from full-on people who are losing hundreds of thousands, right? They're, of course. Like that's where they put the majority of their planning in. They get VIP managers onto those people, whatever. So that's the aim of sports bet. Sports bet is a company which makes money from essentially heaps more betting turnover and ultimately losing punters overall, right? Which is fine. Cool. Like, that's their business yeah. model. So that's then awesome. who's working for him or for them? And what are they doing? Why would they tell you to bet that way? Yeah. What's the aim what of I that mean. company? Yeah. To lose. So why would you listen to what they're telling you? Correct. So just think, like, this is why it's so frustrating when you get people, like you rinse Campbell Brown. You didn't even rinse. You just sat there and asked him what he was doing, putting out those uh, morals and shit that he puts out. He's doing a, a responsible gambling ad for fucking Ladbrokes. It's a bit of a piss take. Definitely is a piss take. Yeah, and then he's sending out tips for SEN yeah, track telling, side. I don't know. You can't lose. Like, absolute moral. With like, no accountability. Yeah. And then we're getting like told to shut up because he's just trying to make some money. It's like, are you listening? To, are you actually saying what yeah, you're saying? It's amazing like, that they've somehow managed to yeah. get influencers on We're board. And, but like everyone defends the influencer. Correct. Like if you see an influencer pop up on Instagram who's selling you some dodgy sunglasses you wear to a festival or yeah. wearing some like shitty jumper that is clearly made out of poor quality that you know is going to disintegrate, you catch on to it, you're like, come on, mate. Yeah. Like you're a sellout. Like <laughs> why would you do that? But all of a sudden all these, these guys are coming on and everyone's yeah, like, nah, fine. fuck off. They're just trying to make a living. Like give them a break. Like, Hang on, what but he is trying know. to earn a living. So yeah, what do you he suggest is. he do otherwise? Oh, I don't know. Well, that's where we're at do. in the industry. There's but like no everyone's one. doing it. So it's but like... it's not, they're not earning a living. It's just so lucrative. Yeah. They just get the carrot, little da like the carrot dangled in front of them and they go and take well, it. Well, to be fair. It's not like, like Daisy Thomas had massive contracts at Collingwood and Carlton. The bloke's not like, if he didn't work again, he, he's not going to fucking be living on the street. But if points better like, hey mate, here's whatever, nah, whatever XYZ dollars is, yeah, chuck it's it in more your super than fund. making a living. That's taking the piss. Yeah, but to be fair, right, there's certain individuals I'd like to think that we can all identify that would be punting anyway. 
And I would say old mate Campbell would love a punt. And whether he's, I don't know, having a clue about his personal financial situation, but there's a lot of AFL players who, I'm not going to mention them, but I know a couple who have full-on just blown their fucking, their life on, on gambling. Yeah, well, that's pretty um, public. No, nah, I'm talking about other ones that aren't public. Yeah. Mm. And like, these are the ones, like we, we say, oh yeah, cool, Daisy Thomas, for example, wouldn't have to work again because he played for Collingwood. I mean, we don't know that. Like, what if he's lost all his money? I'm not. I'm not. That wouldn't be a fact because yeah, Daisy yeah, Thomas yeah. seems pretty. No, no, yeah, on. I understand that. He works for commentators and whatever else. He has a good diversification with what he's doing. But you're seeing these individuals and the way that they carry themselves. You can identify that. I think they'd be punting anyway. Like he's sitting there riding horses. He's not just doing it because he fucking. Yeah, but paid. you, but you punting on your own versus you getting paid to encourage others to punt and lose. It's like, double whammy. It's yeah. even worse. But yeah. what I'm saying is like, you're encouraging your own bad behaviors and then probably knowingly know the result of what's going to happen from you promoting it. And you're going to know that everyone else is going to experience potentially like Fev. He lost heaps of money from gambling yet. He's then gone and work for better Lux. Yeah. And saying that, Bet like, Nation. Bet Nation, sorry. But you'd, you'd honestly love to, like, you'd love to sit, sit in, a room. in a room, like, yeah. no cameras, anything, and genuinely, like, be like, do you think this is fucked, Viv? Like, do you actually yeah, think it's fucked? Yeah, he would know it's fucked. He's not stupid. <laughs> Whether he cares, I'm not sure. But maybe maybe he's full on just oblivious to it. And But you can't be. He he lived it. He was placing bets, fucking looking at the screen at three quarter time for his, for his uh, horses if they won or not. Like, yeah. that's, that's, when you're that bad, you're fucked. So, He's going to know what's going to happen if you get involved with gambling. Like you, you can't, that's a cop out in my opinion. You can't not know that. Yeah, I guess. Maybe he has turned it around though. Like maybe he's actually, Him, got maybe. His, yeah. But, but he, so like he's, but like he's thinking, well, if I can do it, then other people can do it and not sort of considering the consequences. Of yeah, but that. what's his aim of working for Bet Nation? Well, he's Just getting get paid. Coin. He's yeah. getting paid for it for sure. So that's it. But like he wouldn't, he, maybe he's thinking, oh, well, you know, it's not too bad what I'm doing because I've been able to turn it around. So therefore encouraging gambling and promoting gambling isn't that bad because the people who do have a problem, well, they can just turn it around themselves because I've been able to do it. So why can't they sort of thing? That's fair. Like maybe he does think that. Uh, but it's also nice as well to see, I know one of our subscribers sent us an article today about some AFL players kind of opting out of uh, being part of sponsorship deals for certain bookies and other... Um, I know I had seen it previously, but it was obviously mentioned in this article as well. Eastern Woods has has come out like publicly and spoken about how, um, yeah, he doesn't want to associate with gambling and, and isn't massive on the fact that the AFL is so heavily tied into gambling. So it's nice that like there are people that see it differently yeah. and we've spoken to a number of AFL players. I don't think we need to mention them, but whoever that subscribed to some of our services or gone through the content or have been really interested in growing out the space of a bit more awareness and, you know, they've spoken to us about how they know that it's it's pretty rife even in the AFL industry where the you know young blokes that get drafted end up on a couple hundred thousand dollars at 18 19 like uh, aren't sure what they're doing with their money it's it's pretty easy to do what all their mates are mm. still doing they just have way more money than them and they end up you know punting more than they should saw Jaden Stevenson last year even though it was you know minuscule amounts or when he was at Collingwood sorry you know betting on his own games and multis and shit like that like that's not even for profit that just shows how how like Oh, that toxic that, that culture is like not just that like he's just betting like he's just betting with his mates because all his mates do that and even though he knows he's not allowed to do it he can't be stopped like yeah. that shows the the mindset and the culture and how like how fucked up that is like i think you just touched on it right there it's the sporting culture we've talked about this in other podcasts where it was like that's just the footy clubs cricket club sporting culture you put a bunch of blokes together and they just like that's how they all bond together i don't know whether they've got nothing else to do but 
it's it's toxic as and everyone just thinks it's okay to do it together and lose together and everyone cries together and drinks beers together so it's like it just becomes part of the culture which is something that needs to change it's yeah so if if you're saying it's it shouldn't be part of the culture and it's toxic and everything like what's acceptable then because obviously there's like well then it is look i'm not i'm not going to go here and be like you can't gamble and gambling shit out and we need to remove gambling because it does have it does have a place in our culture it does have yeah as much as a, as much as i hate it to a certain degree because of how bad it can get there is a place for it and you know the melbourne cup used to be although that's losing its sort of pizzazz these days but the melbourne cup was a big sort of memorable childhood memory of mine going with the family and catching up and having a bit of a bet and doing whatever you like whatever you pull out pull a name out of the hat whatever it's called a sweep um like that's all part of australian culture and that's great and that brings people together and that's social and that's all fun but unfortunately there's no there's no limit there's no like all right, you can do this much, but you like once you get to here, then then yeah. call it quits because no one's really pulling, no one, no one's calling people out about it and like educating people that this is where it gets yeah. too far. People don't know where the line is, unfortunately, and you never really get taught the line. You look at AFL players and they start punting in the thousands when they're nineteen. So as Tom said, they've just got a two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar contract. They start punting and then they move out of the AFL. They no longer have that income, but they're still punting at yeah. super high, super high levels and. They just don't know. There's there's no messages out there getting told to people that there is a line and you can't cross it because once you cross it, then it's troubling. Yeah. But there are like the advertising is slowly starting to change a little bit. I saw an ad the other day. There was that new sort of law where the advertising does actually have Does to change. And I have seen it. Yeah, I saw the first ad the other day and it came up and it was really good. It was the best change that I've seen for the ads in a long time. And at the end of the ad, I don't know who it was. I don't know who was advertising, but at the end, it was just a black screen. And literally like half of the screen says, you'll win some, you'll lose more. And it was very obvious. It was very clear. And well, that was, was actually- those topics. It was like 10. There was like or, six or seven. Yeah, yeah there was, yeah. However many around there, like every single ad had to end up saying either you win some, you lose more, or can you afford to, to, to lose this money? Or don't think about how much you could win. Think about how much you can lose. And there was like a number of certain things that it has to say so like that's good because that's going to start planting seeds in people's minds rather than thinking gamble responsibly what the fuck does that mean can Anyone i ask can gamble if it responsibly? said it or just it wrote it i think it just wrote it i don't think it uh-huh. said it yeah they don't want people hearing <laughs> it yeah that unfortunately that's a load of shit then um what, what's well it's it's a it's a small it's great, step in the right direction but anyone with half a brain would know that if you're watching tv and you don't hear something it's not as effective as if you hear it yeah, I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on it. I'm not too if sure. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I haven't seen it. I didn't watch TV. So like, yeah, uh, maybe if that's the case, that's interesting. But I, obviously, I haven't seen it. So I don't want to call too sh- Yeah, well, the only problem on is it. with half of these like new regulations and advertisement laws and shit that change, like the bookies themselves have a say in what gets put yeah, up there. And that's so the it's like biggest. they're almost writing their own laws about what they can and can't do. So they're yeah. always going to be like biased and tailoring it to what suits them best. But uh, that is the industry. The, the, what, the, what you said before around like what's the solution, I can kind of, you mentioned it, education. I think that's where it has to be. Like like you said, if you don't have an idea, there's no end. Like there's no line. There's no mm. box that you're going to go out of. Like you're just going to go wherever you want and you get to 19, 20, you're gambling a, a thousand a week. It's, fuck, it's a, bit, a bit hard to go back after that. So I think the best form of, changing this culture i think is education in a sense of basic fundamental stuff like bankroll unit sizes understanding like how you profit and loss knowing how to fucking track your deposits and losses like your withdrawals like simple as that not many people would be doing that all these fundamentals like name one place where you can learn these Mm. can you name one no i think that's one way in which it can be done like is in teaching people to bet smarter 
But the other way in which it can be done, and I think it's it's better to go down this route if you're going to like go down proper education, is more so like teaching people opportunity cost. So well, yeah. instead of being like, yeah, you can keep betting, but do it with this bankroll, do it with this unit size, bet the same amount every time or whatever it may be. That's one way. Like, right, if you're going to keep betting, that's one way to potentially lose less, which is great. But the other one is if you're dedicating two, three, four hundred dollars a week to punting, and even if it is within your means, what is that? Like, what's what's the opportunity cost of doing that? If you save two hundred dollars every week for the whole year, that's ten k. So yes, you might be betting within your means, but what the fuck could you have done with the yeah. 10K? Like, mm. is it worth the 10K? Even though you're betting responsibly, is it worth it? Is it that fun? You know, would you have rather done five weeks in Europe? Hmm, maybe I would have. Well, there you go. You have bet responsibly, but what have you given up to be able to do yeah. that or have yourself in that position? And, and I feel like that, as well from that? that might be a better way of going about it and a light bulb moment for people as opposed to yeah. doing this. Because if you are somebody that bets regularly, even within your means, you're doing it, you're trying to make money, right? It's a thrill of trying mm. to get it collect. Like, what what is the thrill though? Like, well, the thrill I, is, I, it is, but it isn't. I, I agree with what I, know I what agree with. Saying. I agree with what you're saying a lot. And I'm trying to put myself in someone's shoes who is losing 200, 300 bucks a week a weekend, and you're just saying, "Well, don't do it because you have 10 grand at the end of the year." And I agree. You know, there's the thrill of doing it, but I think it also comes down to there's nothing else to do. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, oh, well, what the fuck am I going to do on my Saturdays? I'm not going to sit at home and just like you know watch the vfl or something like yeah. it's like what would people do to fill the time in that they normally use spending at the pub drinking beers with their mates where they think they're social they are socializing but it's like what, what's the alternative there needs something to fill that space for people when all of a sudden they're just like not punting like or you know do they do it with a one dollar unit size but we know that's not going to work like that's not an option so it's like yeah. how do you well, fill I mean, that space if, the other thing is and this is not fucking promoting our own services but if you're fucking spending five hours on a saturday yeah. punting Learn how to use your fucking accounts and make money every single Saturday. If you're going to waste five, not waste, if five hours, if you enjoy on a Saturday, there are lots of people that enjoy on a Saturday watching all the races. I personally can watch races, not bet on them, and I find them fascinating. I like watching, you know, Mm. where the good horses go, how the race is run, like, you know, reading the race. I really enjoy watching that. And there will probably heaps of people to do that, but there's also heaps of people that spend all day Saturday punting. If you have that time and you have the resources available to you to be able to do that, why the fuck aren't you doing it properly? Yeah, why legit. aren't you just making money? It's yeah. so, we just spoke on it. It's so easy to make money in this game. I, yeah. If you have five hours on a Saturday, learn how to turn a bonus bet over, learn how to use the promotions to your advantage and go and take the fucking piss. Do yeah. it every Saturday, but make fucking money. I, I can guarantee as well, you'll have more fun. And way we more can all fun. say this because we've done that what the we've first got butterflies in our stomach Friday night. Go yeah. to bed. But we're all getting back into the Saturday's kind of fucking Christmas space again. I think um, well, you already are. The last couple of months you've been working with the yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's mind blowing to me how how people aren't making money and it's so easy. And with and I hadn't done match betting stuff properly in quite a while. And now there's like 40 new bookies that I've never opened up in my life. Yeah. It's a fucking piss take. I reckon there'd be 70 that I haven't made. There's my, so many bookies so that bookies are giving them. away bonuses, giving away all these opportunities to make money. They're doing cash back. They're doing fourth, fifth. You know, even if you if you bet in this race and it doesn't win, Neds have some tool where it's like, if you bet on the horse, as long as it doesn't run second or third, you get your cash back. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting Like, it, it, there's just so many ways in which you can, you know, tweak around, play around with things, use them against each other. Yeah. You should... If you're betting consistently every single Saturday and that's your hobby or the thing that you like to do, you're not doing it in a social environment, you're at home, you should be cashing in. Like, no brainer.
no brainer yeah so we've kind of spoken about you know people if they're still listening to this or they've seen clips of this or whatever they're like oh fuck these guys all they do is talk about betting all they do is talk about business all these blokes they're fucking robots they're fucking squares we touched on it a little bit at the start <laughs> jp is a bit of a square compared to steve obviously what's and a square myself i'm probably falling in the middle of both of you <laughs> what's a square but, but i could argue that a square is something else what do you mean just different like squares like more so in a sense that you don't live the life that a lot of other people live which is not a bad thing but like you're not gonna you're not gonna have so a beer would, you're not gonna oh, but let yeah, your hair down but hang on gonna, what's, uh, it's a from a different could perspective could be someone who, who literally does it's by the book by the technically rules. it's by the book but you technically don't, don't do a lot by the book exactly, as well that's so. my point about not being a square so. yeah I think Tom's more referencing you haven't had a beer in how long I didn't like beer yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, just never I, taken I, a drug, never smoked, all that shit. But yeah. that's what he's referring to. Yeah, I just yeah. don't yeah. go. I out. think I think for like ninety nine percent of people, they'd probably like look at your life and be like, like, what does this cunt do? Yeah, but how do they know what I do? Fucking buy well, I don't know what you do, so like, are they not going to know? But what Speech did you? Some okay, maybe this isn't very square, and but you fucking climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and I I would personally love to hear, hmm. you know, a three or five minute recap on what you did. Like, not many people go to fucking africa for a holiday yeah or go to climb mount kilimanjaro or tanzania i think you went to so do you want to give us a rundown of you know why the fuck you went there what it was like and you know give us a 10 minute synopsis of your of your month away well i'm sure people would want to know okay so um me and my girlfriend uh laura we were just watching netflix there's a netflix doco called aftershock which is explaining the uh everest earthquake i think in 2014 or 15 which fucked up base camp and killed like i think 15 people or so and also fucked up a lot of nepal and Kathmandu and all that so we, we kind of got the idea that we we're going to climb everest one day randomly from that netflix doco the whole like everest like actual the peak. everest yeah laugh yeah laugh all you want but oh well, it's actually not that hard apparently these days but it's well, fucking tell expensive him that and he fully disagrees no nah, apparently like you can it's go on like expeditions where they just take up like 60 year olds up there these days yeah well yeah. you need you need a lot of training and, and part of that training comes from climbing lower mountains at altitude yeah. which is what uh kilimanjaro is so Tom thinks I'm an idiot for saying that Everest has never been easy. No, it's climb. never been easier. That's a fact. Yeah. But it's it's obviously still a very much a fucking very hard thing to do. And we're not planning it in the next two years or whatever. But it is a goal that I've just pulled out there and it had to start from going to Africa. So within three weeks... Can I, can I ask yep. a question? Like, Go. why? Why Everest? I don't know. It's interesting. Because it's fucking JP. Just because it's like... But I've never understood it. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like, But it's it's just a mountain. Like, I've never understood the idea of so why people are so like? obsessed. Oh, I'd rather snow, snowboard down the mountain. Yeah, That's why? fun. I, I, oh, it's a I thrill. Could, yeah. I just, I'd, I'd never get it. Like my, my dad loves Nepal. He's that. been there a million times, <laughs> but like, I just don't see the thrill of wa- walking and putting yourself through torture for like fourteen hours a day through like tough conditions. Yeah. I just never understand it. Well, I, I get it. There's scenery and there's an ego, adventure to be and shit. Like yeah. Most people who climb Everest would be for ego. I'd say to say they've climbed Everest is. It's an achievement. Ego, call it like... Yeah, no, crowd. that's fine. You, see, you set yourself a challenge. You yeah. want to achieve it. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, but, yeah. It's for my... Like, when I say ego, it would be more for myself, though. Of it's course. Like for fucking, oh, yeah, cool, I'm the best. I climb Everest. Like, yeah. The it's point, like but, people wake up, they're just like, I want to do a marathon. Like, why? It's yeah. like, I want to run a marathon. I want to see if I can do it. Push yeah. yourself. I get that, yeah. But I'm mo- we're miles off that. Like, we've just <laughs> literally said we're going to climb Everest one day. But it, to be honest, if you do, like, hikes and you get to altitude and you react well to altitude, it's... You get the experience. It's actually it's super not expensive, that you know hard that. in the sense of like, it's not impossible. No. Um, no. So we watched a few more docos. We yeah. booked, we went to, to Kili, um, and we 
we kind of settled in. My bag didn't arrive for two days. So first mountain, there's something called Mount Meru, which is a sister mountain of uh, Kilimanjaro, 4,655 meters. We were told, or we did some research, that was supposed to be a warm-up hike, get you a little bit of custom acclimatized to, to altitude. Um, did that, had to hire gear because my bag was not coming and we couldn't delay the trip. We delayed one day and we couldn't delay anymore. It was supposed to be a break between Kili and Meru. Climbed that. That was, I promise you, I spoke about this in the last podcast with uh, Kiro. I was fucked. Like got to 4,200 meters, 300 from the summit. It was like 3 a.m. because you leave at like 12 at night. So you, go, you leave at midnight. So you're there mm. for sunrise. Sunrise, correct. So it's about five and a half hours up from the last camp and that's saddle hut which is like three three four um and then 1200 over how many how many days has this been so this is so so mount meru mount meru's three days up and down so it's very quick it's so you've got no acclimatization at all so you started like four thousand is not that high right like but if you'll feel you'll feel altitude from like three three to three five but like it's not bad if you've been at that altitude for a little while like it's pretty standard but you've just gone straight from sea level to four thousand basically yeah so well, I think, uh, don't quote me, but um, where we're staying, I think it'd be like a thousand. Okay, yeah, but zero, it's not. But yeah, yeah, yeah. A thousand true. to zero is the same thing. So, yeah, we get there, we climb the first day, we get to like two, six, and mm. then the next day you get to three, four, and then that night you go to the summit. Like, you don't wait another Fuck day. So, hell. Yeah, so you, th- that there, like, probably 3 a.m., um, I started getting um, dizzy, yeah. headache, um, and falling asleep while walking. So, like, <laughs> And this is pitch black. So, uh, like, I was walking and, like, I missed a step. And th- you got your two guides with you. Um, you've got a team of porters, which I'll talk about in a sec. But the guides are the most important in the sense of they'll direct you. They'll make sure they check on you. Make sure you're good. You're not going to fucking fall off the mountain because Mary's quite dangerous. It's, like, very much a, a mountain where you can not fall off, but there's, like, shit where if you roll down, you're fucked. Mm. And when you're at night, you've got a headlamp. You don't really see what's either side. You just see what's in front. So... There was a step I missed and then I heard the guide like ask me if I was all right and I kind of just lied and said I was fine. Then I had to stop, get some food in, wake myself up a bit and it's like freezing cold. It's like probably in the just in the negatives, not too cold, windy, got your gloves on, whatever. And then I kind of fought through and got to the summit. Funnily enough, the sun comes up and I felt 10 times better. Um, apparently, they're supposed to give you energy, um, but whether that's scientific, I'm not sure. But I think it does like... Anyway, so climb that. That was fucking awesome. The views there were sick. I can put some videos up on the screen or screenshots, whatever. Then the next day, so we, we went back down to 2.6 um, and then back to the hotel for the night. Ordered like fucking five main meals to the, the um, room service and just hammered those for the night. Because um, obviously eating on the mountain, your team cooks for you, carries all your big bags. You got your day pack. Um, you put your water and stuff in there. You got all your, your wet gear in case it rains, whatever. You carry that with you. But everything else that you sleep in, sleeping bag, clothes, everything, boot, uh, and other shoes and stuff is carried by the porters during the day. They climb up and down with your stuff. As well as all the tents, as well as, this is for Killy, there was no tents in Meru. As well as all the food, all the cooking equipment. So Are like, they doing multiple trips? No, they, so there was four, five, oh, okay. There's six multiple. porters on right. Meru and 10 team on Killy for two people. So on Kilimanjaro, it was eight days. You climb, like, it's pretty chill in terms of the hiking for Kilimanjaro. Each day, you hike in between three and five hours, um, but it's not 
difficult because we chose the eight day. You can do it in five, but you probably will have issues with altitude if you do it in five. We went ultra safe and did it eight. So on the sixth night, you summit. So we got to uh, 4,600 meters, which is the Barafa camp, which is essentially the base camp. We left because they, they kind of know, right? They, they know how fast you are how slow you are based mm. on hiking with you. These guys live on the mountain. Essentially. Yeah, They're hiking yeah. fucking for six months straight. They know everything. <clears throat> so they knew we were kind of a little bit of a faster crew comparing us to like maybe an 80 year old lady who's fucking hiking or a 70 year old lady or, yeah, yeah. or a 50, 50 year old. Well, you're too, you're too like late twenties, 20s, 20s, young, healthy. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so we, we knew we had to leave at approximately like 1am for summit night on Killy and people were leaving at 11 and we were passing them like almost up the top of the mountain. Elbows so, out, giving them cheapies on nah, the way. Like people are literally crawling <laughs> in a sense yeah. of like, it's very slow steps. Like it's just a grind the whole way. You get into rhythm with your sticks and if you need to take a shit or something on the way up, you got you just got to offload. Um, so that's something that was quite interesting. Offload. Well, that what that, they call that, I'll talk about that, but like <laughs> the toilets there are non-existent. They're just holes in the ground. So like it's... What sort of terrain are you hiking on? Uh, it varies. It's volcanic uh, mountains. So okay. there, it's, it's rocky. There's... Um, a lot of vegetation below, oh, don't quote me, probably 3,500. Yeah, there's like that alpine region where, Correct. where it can't grow um, anymore. Yeah. And then you've got like alpine desert where it starts yeah. to become like shorter trees and the, the trees get shorter as altitude goes because sure. obviously it's they can't grow. To grow. Yeah. And then you get to a point where there's nothing. Um, it's just literally just ravens, so crows sort of. Uh, you've got m- mice, which don't go above, I think, 4,500 and then humans, that's it. Um, so Killy got to the top. That was uh, I would say it's easier than Meru, but it's 5,895. So almost 6,000 meters. Um, got right. to the top of that. I guess for me, it was just awesome to see, I don't know, like life at that level. And also it was awesome to climb those two mountains. But for me, what I got out of it was just seeing like the porters. Um, and they, I don't like calling them porters. We like calling them uh, killie fighters, as they like to call them over there. But they literally dedicate their life. That's a job. But like they're le- dedicating their whole like. That's all they're doing to get you up the mountain. So they're carrying your shit. They're cooking for you. They're making sure you've got warm clothes. They'll give you washing water when you finish the hike every day. Um, like they'll clean your dishes. They'll make sure the table's set when you eat. They're sounds like you've done this table. in luxury, eh? No, but this sounds, like, sounds all sounds luxurious. Lovely. But no, it's just like a tent. Yeah. But they yeah. got to carry the tent you're eating. You can't just eat what you're going to eat. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming they're setting it up the and stuff. Eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? You just said they carry you're the tent you're eating. You're eating in. Oh, eating in. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you sleep in a tent and then you've got the tent that actually you eat your food yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And then they've got their tent that they sleep in. So like there's like 10 of them. They've got to sleep fucking next to each other. So all this shit's got to get carried, right? They do a food run on day six because food goes off. So on day seven and eight, I think, or even day six, you get a, get fresh food. So And you're getting three meals a day. And these aren't like buffet meals, but like in, they're good quality. Like you mm. get chicken, you get fucking... Get your protein porridge and, and you'll be overfed like it's impossible to finish the food and towards the end of it we realized that they were eating tea and toast that's the the, the, the yeah. porters eat tea and toast that's it and like towards the end of it like we were giving our breakfast and lunch to them like because we we're like fuck it. where does this go if we don't eat it like we eat it and like fuck if i'm not going to fill myself like i was fine we were both fine we were struggling to eat everything so we're like, here you go, have this. Mm. They fucking see a piece of watermelon and they fucking love it. So it's like, it was sick. Overall, like seeing seeing African culture completely different to Australia. I know I spoke about this on the other one, but 
just to touch on, I think in Western culture, we're very much, um, <laughs> at the couch place the other day, we're yeah. very complex in a sense of like, we've got so much, so much else going on, social media, mortgages, TV, all this shit that just like takes the focus away from potentially what's more important, which is yeah. family survival, essentially. Like we take survival for granted, I think. Like for example, we lose our Instagram, it's the end of the world. And people in Africa fucking don't have food to survive or they have 10 bucks a week to live or something. Like yeah. compare the, the problems there and it's just laughable to actually think that we have problems over here in Western culture. And that's not to say that people aren't suffering from real shit over here, but it's, it's when your life's simple and when you only have to worry about you getting enough food, you getting enough water and fuck what else, working and, and making money to, to feed your family, like everything becomes so much simpler when you're not listening to the TV, radio, everything, it's just very much like you're very much, uh, what's the word? I guess more, um, you just see things a little bit clearer, I think. There's, mm. We get fucking- You're distracted a lot here, more here. Corrupted and yeah. like- you, It's you good for business. focus away from, like no one has a smartphone, for example. Like no. imagine what life would be here without a smartphone. Yeah. Like it'd be completely different. And we're just, over the last 10 years, we've, without even knowing it, we've just transitioned into- basically cyborgs essentially like you know like we rely on electronics and i'm a massive fucking culprit of it but you have to i mean you look at your like you look well, at, yeah that's you, the thing look at us right now we've got like this 60 pieces of electronics in front of us right yeah. now and that's just the way you have to like to live a social life now to be to live a connected yeah. social life you have to be on instagram and facebook and snapchat yeah. and whatsapp and telegram and <clears throat> iMessage and have 50 different ways to connect with your friends but yeah. they're saying these days that like in terms of like mental health and well-being like we're the most disconnected 100 like are. rate or p- part of our race that we've ever been even yeah. though we're supposed to be the most connected but it's like they've made us reliant on all this technology but it's great that yeah it'd, it'd be really fascinating to live in that sort no, of world like if you have the opportunity go to places where this is like not the first time i've seen this kind of stuff but it was the most time i've spent in it and actually immerse myself in like getting to know these people and i was almost like crying mm. leaving these people i'd seen them for two weeks mm. like i took them all out for fucking lunch on the last day and they took the piss. They were ordering fucking drinks out their ass. Like, <laughs> yeah. like eight rounds That's of gross. drinks or whatever. Yeah. They heard the bill was coming. They went again. It was fucking funny. Um, and JP's credit card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, away. No, we owed it to them. Like they did that for us. And yeah, I'm it was elite. No, no, no. And I'm still in contact with them. Like we, we tipped them really well because they, like, they appreciate it. Like, and it's, I spoke about this in the blog that I made. I've realized, and I think Kiro, the reason why he lives overseas in Ethiopia, <clears throat> a lot of you boys probably don't understand it, but he enjoys just helping people like mm. he like we get it because we help people and how good does it feel when someone says hey man you changed my life like mm. that same feeling i, I want to keep like i guess uh honing in on and helping more and more people because for me that makes me happier and i get so much satisfaction out of that and for example tipping them giving someone 200 usd for mm. them is like fucking five grand yeah like it would be the equivalent of and it's like they're, they're, they're the best like they're, ha- they're over the moon over it and it's like if I can help someone and feel good about themselves and help their life, then fuck, that makes me feel better. So I guess in summary, awesome experience to climb the mountains, but what I got more out of it was just seeing the culture and I guess seeing how lucky we are and now being a bit more grateful, even though it probably was, but even more grateful of like how easy we have it over here. Yeah. Um, I definitely, to somewhat sort of move on to a certain degree, but definitely keeping on topic of, all the all the sort of third world countries I've visited, I've visited a couple, um, mainly sort of, ma- mainly uh, Fiji actually is one that really comes to mind that you've that I relate to with this story is that they're very poor over there, 
Um, they, they're basically their whole economy runs off tourism. I'd hate to know what they're looking like now after COVID because basically there's been no white people, not white people, but tourists basically. That's what they call over there. They'll call you white people, not yeah. being racist. But um, yeah, there wouldn't be any. But over there, they're some of the happiest people, the most welcoming people and the most yeah. giving people that I've ever seen. It's it's honestly incredible to see. And it's like they've, they're working for $2 a day over there in these nice luxurious resorts and stuff like that. But they're just so happy and like they're just so grateful for what they've got like they they might have like they might have a boat like a little tinny or something that you see you know you go down to the harbor and you wouldn't dare see a see a tinny down at the port melbourne harbor because it's a piece of you know it's a piece of shit according to you know our standards but over there they'll have a little tinny that they go and take kids on or they do some tours on or they go and do their fishing and they're just so proud of it like yeah. they're just so proud because of their one it's so simple this they're so grateful for it they're so welcoming they've got so little but they're so willing to 100%. share so much of what they've got as well yeah. and it's just incredible you come over to yeah you come back to melbourne it's so fast paced everyone's scrambling around looking at their smartphones going mental and like everyone just looks depressed everyone i remember just stressed off their head man like yeah, it's so yeah. complex like yeah. whereas you, you summed it up like very quickly and better like it's so like survival happens yeah. for their family proud of their family that's it yeah like that's keep all it is. simple yeah and they don't need four hundred uh thousand in their bank account to be happy and feel safe that yeah if, if they don't earn income for the next 20 years they're going to survive it's just mm. like a bit more simple than that um and also sorry i forgot to mention the company that i traveled with i'd like to give them a shout out if you're going to kilimanjaro and you want to hike it go with ascend tanzania they were literally amazing so yeah anyone wants yeah, to hike nice. so obviously it. like a bit of contrast to uh jp's trip i know steve you went to a what was it a data analytics conference <laughs> in uh toronto and then you Thank also you, did a bit of research for us um yeah. at the nhl but apart from that what else did you get up to when you when you're in canada for a few weeks um yeah a bit of a different bit of a different uh i say let's say time compared to <laughs> jp <laughs> I was up mountains, up and down mountains, but yep. there was a lot more snow on the mountains over there. So it was a bit bit more adrenaline seeking, I suppose, for me. I was just there snowboarding for a few weeks, a couple of weeks in Whistler, a week in Banff. Um, pretty pretty crazy time. Um, there was a lot beers. of fun there. There was, there was a couple you, of beers. Uh, had a few beers with some subs. Yeah, there was a couple that? of subs out there as well. Hoags, shout out to Hoags and shout out to Bailey as well. Ran into a couple of subs in a couple of the <laughs> nightclubs of Whistler and... Um, <laughs> That was awesome. That was actually a really cool experience, to be honest, of having people come up to you in the street. Because it's really funny. You never get haters come up to you in the street, but you do often, or not often, but you, every now and again, and it's, it's, it's become more regular, people coming up and being like, love your work, you know, awesome stuff, keep it up. Like, you've actually helped me become a better gambler. You've made me money and a couple of these guys. One of them, I think it was, I think it was Hoax. He was like, yeah, you've actually funded this trip to Canada, like as yeah, in the system so had funded that, that trip. Feel? It's fucking awesome, isn't yeah, that's it? That's like, exactly what I mean. Like, yeah, it's really, it's really motivating, and it's, it's cool to know that. Like, obviously, we know that you know the benefits that match betting and and taking some money off the bookies has had on our lives. So, be able to be able to pass that information on to people, and for them to actually do it, and then risk like come full circle and people bounce back those or give back that feedback. It's actually pretty cool. So, that was um that was very a very good time. Um, came back alive, which was good. I was a little bit nervous. Um, it's pretty dangerous, like funnily enough, like particularly Whistler. Whistler's like, it's 
I think it's the biggest ski resort in the Northern Hemisphere. It's massive, absolutely huge. Two massive mountains. There's two mountains, Whistler and Blackcomb. That's why it's called Whistler Blackcomb. And each mountain, I was there for two weeks, would have snowboarded probably 11 days total over those two weeks across those mountains. And I wouldn't have done every part of the mountain. Um, still didn't have time to do it because it's just simply massive, like simply huge. But with that comes a lot of people. I think like on the mountain, there's like 40,000, 50,000 people that stay in the village, which is just at the bottom of the mountain um, or the mountains. And so it's pretty sketchy um, because like you just you go on quick and a lot of lot can go wrong really and you don't you can be the best skier or snowboarder but you've also got to remember that there's thousands of other people around you flying down as well and it can be a little bit dangerous and there's a little bit eye-opening in that sense i accidentally had a bit of a, a bit of an accident and i, I slid tackled a couple of like seven eight year olds which was really bad it was actually like seriously concerning at the time i just fully lost control um so that was a bit of a, a wake-up call for myself to to literally we've like got some good rein footage it in of, uh, <laughs> yeah. we've got some good footage of you that we'll put on the uh the youtube so that people that are watching might even upload it on the socials yeah yeah let, <laughs> let them see it um <laughs> but no it was it was it was a really good time um i think it was good after particularly sort of the last couple of years where we've all worked pretty pretty hard to sort of set the set the companies up and set the system and the hustle squad up you know we've it was good to sort of just forget about it and actually just live a little bit i think um yeah i guess you, you can easily get caught up sort of what you were saying before you can easily get caught up in this need to grow and get better and improve and yeah. and you know get more assets and earn more money and fucking lift heavier and do more and all of this shit that you know we're basically being brainwashed i think to a certain degree to, to do this no like i genuinely like we are like everyone wants to be better and like everyone wants more like accumulating assets like it's literally everyone just wants to accumulate assets um and so it was good to just be like fuck this and just literally just for three weeks just do whatever i wanted just live in the moment um and so that was a lot of fun definitely a couple of lessons that that i that i took out of the trip it's always good traveling you meet a bunch of people and you do sort of um you know without sounding too cheesy you do learn a bit about yourself and you put yourself in sort of some high stressful environments or some fun environments and you you never know how you're going to react um to to a couple of things one little story which was a good sort of lesson i took from the trip um so my snowboard bag got lost on the way over there um it got lost in, in a transit flight from air canada yeah, well, just they just it just never arrived. I just don't know what happened to it. So I, I rocked up in I rocked up in Whistler and I didn't have my snowball bag. I was like, this is fucking great, isn't it? Um, so I had to hire all my gear for the first, first five problem. six days. What was that? First world problem. Yeah, but literally, <laughs> man. This is the point of where I'm getting to. Like, this is literally the point. Is like I lost my snowball bag. I was cracking the shits a bit, but I was like, whatever. I hired gear for five six days. Still, my <coughs> bag hadn't arrived. They said it was going to deliver it to me didn't arrive anyway on the seventh day i was like fuck this so i just bought a whole new kit because it was going to be cheaper to buy a new kit than hire for every day um yeah oh yeah well i needed that for the, i needed that for the seminar so um, anyway day one with my brand new board i've put it down at the bottom of the mound i've gone to like get something to eat after the morning and i've come back and my board's not there Bullshit. and the exact same board but a, but a larger size that didn't fit me was in the spot so i thought someone had like swapped the boards around and taken they've taken my board and swapped it with their board because they didn't like the size this is just where i went weirdly i was like <laughs> i was pissed off i was probably hung over anyway i've just cracked the shit i was fucking so fed up i was like 
fuck this. First, my bag goes missing. Then I've got to rent all this shit. I'm out of pocket, a stack. And now my board's been fucking stolen after one morning of having it. And I just cracked the shits. I was like, I was with, with my mate and then another guy that we met. And like, they handled me so well because I just was not a pleasant person to be around you, for the next couple of hours. I, I just had a I haven't sook. seen that before. I just, I just had a big sook, really. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys would know. I uh, wear my heart on my sleeve sometimes. But anyway. I had a big sook. Anyway, I've like so I've taken this guy's board. Actually, I realised that it wasn't my board halfway up the mountain. I'd grabbed the other guy's board, thinking that it was my board because it was in the same spot. I've then gone down the mountain with someone else's board. I've thinking thinking someone stolen my board. I've gotten there, my board's just sitting there. So, I've just had a mare and stolen someone else's board. So it was there the whole time. It was there the whole time, and there was just both of our boards got put in the same spot, and I accidentally grabbed his. So. Anyway, I've had a big sook about it just like on the way up and I've realized, you know, I've just had a fucking mare. I've gotten my board back and I sort of then just had like a real reflective... Actually, I got... Weed's really legal in Canada and I got I got pretty high. I was speaking to you yeah, that night. They are um, so good. Yeah, I had a couple of gummies that night. Um, <laughs> completely legal in Canada. Um, they just <laughs> deliver it to your doorstep. <laughs> and I was, I was... Which we love. Yeah. I was just reflecting a bit on it all and I was like fuck this is a real first world problem isn't it like i've just cracked the shits and had a real sook that like i mean whistler i've had my board silence like it's not the end of the world just like get over it so i was a bit of like things are never quite as bad as you think they're going to be and also on the flip things are never like as great as potentially they're going to be as well so it was a good little lesson sort of keep things mellowed out a little bit and and don't overreact and don't get too emotional which is which is things and messages that we love here at the system as well so good trip Loved it. Um, definitely will try and go back to Canada and live there. Live there? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah right. It's a beautiful country there. It's well, absolutely that, beautiful. Match betting landscapes growing in, oh. in uh, yeah. Canada. So The gambling landscape's growing yeah, too. Every person China, so. was putting parlays on over there. Yeah, yeah. That was the research I got. So Yeah, yeah. Nice. You bring your hustler card. Did I bring my hustler card? Yeah, for the USA what course. are the what are the racing promos looking like over no, Yeah, I don't know about those ones yet. I, I didn't put take any hustler over there because I'm not an employee of the hustler squad. So <laughs> you work free. To doing yeah, it. yeah, yeah I wouldn't free. be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> you wouldn't be doing it yet. <laughs> but I guess yeah. So we've spoken about a fair bit today, which has been awesome. I think um, we'll save what's coming up next for the for the next podcast. I, I would think. Don't know if you guys want to touch on anything more. We've been going for about an hour and a half now. Um, it's been a pretty fucking interesting listen, to be honest. Some what, of the stuff. I want to know what you did when we were away because you ran both companies. What I did by yourself. I just collected units. <laughs> <laughs> Cleaned up the unit collector. <laughs> Ask the subs; they love it. Nah, it was a. Well, I did leave you on a bomb. It was. It was a good. Uh, <laughs> good luck, Tom. Negative sixteen. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's what. For all those that are that are listening, system subs that have been us with us for a while. Obviously, December was n- not ideal. I think we made like nine units or twelve units or something. But um, seven. Maybe. Yeah, obviously one of the de- one of the tipping days, d- Christmas it's Eve. Christmas I Eve. We, I think we had a mayor. Minus twelve. And that was like the I think it was my last tipping day. Yeah, and Steve wrote in the group like good luck. Literally like wrote in our message group. He's like, all right, fuck this. Good luck, Tom. And then like I didn't hear from him for a few days. Got, he'd gone overseas, but no, it was pretty good. I mean, obviously, massive shout out to our. Uh, probably our number numero uno on customer service, Justin. He was a massive help for me during that period. Kim and Max were also really good. You know, we did get quite a few subscribers 
through that period, I thought we were going to dip down massively. I was so worried the whole time that you guys were going to get back and we we're going to have like 430 subs, 440 subs. Yeah, it's not like the cameras keep working. <laughs> Fuckhead. That one has turned off, and, actually. No, that's the wide. That's fine. No, but that's, um, okay. yeah, so like that was, that was, uh, yeah, it's pretty full on. Obviously, Fuck you can it. ask, uh, you can ask Charlotte. Like, I was pretty stressed the whole time. Like, hoping that we'd get new subscribers, hoping the results would be good. Obviously, Hustler as well. Like, I was speaking to Kuro a fair bit, um, but managed to, like, I think it was like 21 um, Platinums Platinum. while JP was away. So I thought, I was like, that's fucking, that's all right. Like, at least that's paid for a tenth of his, of his yeah. up the mountain. There's a couple, a few tips for the Porters or the Killy, Killy Warriors. But <laughs> no, it was... Killy fighters. Fighters, fighters, sorry. But no, all in all, it was like, it's it's a lot easier when, you know, we're talking about what's the benefit of merging when there's three of us working and moving in the same direction. It's a whole lot easier than fucking two of us or one of us. I don't really know how JP's done all the hustler stuff on his own for, you know, for a large portion of the last two and a half years. I can imagine how stressful that would be. And that was definitely something I learned. Like, you know, the Discord doesn't stop. There's DMs nonstop. There's people, like I was logged into his personal Telegram and like people always have fucking questions like it's just it's just non-stop and that's i guess that's us also learning as well we're getting better at prioritizing you know we're like cool like let's dedicate time to work and then let's dedicate time to you know spending time with our missus or with our friends or doing other shit and i think we've been sometimes we get really bad at just getting caught up in just working 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 and i felt that a little bit while you guys were away but no apart from that i feel like we're we're definitely on the right track and what we've set up now is pretty set. Like the, the companies are pretty self-sufficient. Like they can keep rolling over whether or not they grow without us. I'm not sure, but yeah, we, we've put in place like, you know, really good education, really good customer service set up. Uh, you know, people have access to our content and to ourselves basically 24 seven. Like there's never been more support and it all basically runs like clockwork. Well now, which is awesome. And I guess like going forward, I just was like, just keen for you guys to get back so we could, launch into the office launch launch these new products launch some new services and just like get way fucking bigger like you know hopefully we've got 800 subscribers at the end of the year and you know a thousand platinum squad members and like we're just waking up more and more individuals who do want to spend their saturdays making money as opposed to doing other things or even not even just making money just fucking waking up and realizing how dumb some of their punting habits are and if they sharpen them up you know what they can be doing as you said you spoke to two subscribers in canada who had funded their trip through following the system or through match betting mm. there'd probably be thousands of people that if they stopped punting could have been on that mountain with you as well and maybe that's because they saw you talk about how dumb gambling is like that's the other thing that i'm excited to do just just to have more people realize that even if they don't buy anything or subscribe or ever do match betting, they, you know, they read a JP's blog or they go through one of our videos or they see us rinsing sports bet and they're like, fuck, I am a victim of this. I am doing this. I am doing that. They listen to a podcast and then they just change their gambling habits. And if that helps, you know, I think we can reach tens of, if not hundreds of thousands of people over the next, you know, two to three years, especially with, our office and our team and our content and that's i was just fucking so keen for you guys to get back so we could start doing that so i guess that's what's planned going forward um if you take anything out of this podcast i think obviously it's you know we've got we've got a little bit sentimental a bit deep but like you know cherish what you have enjoy what you have we're really really lucky if you're listening to this obviously like you got spare time to fucking listen to a podcast so you must be doing all right probably listening to it on your smartphone we're in really privileged positions and fucking you know, make the most of what the fuck you're doing. Don't waste every fucking Saturday gambling. Don't waste Legit. your money gambling. Like, go and do some fucking productive shit. 
And if you listen to this whole podcast and you aren't making money betting in the next six months, like you dead set, you've got fucking rocks in your head because it's so easy. No, I'm being serious. Like if you get to here and you keep punting and losing on the punt, like fucking Well, if if you're not making money in a sense of doing it, but if if you're... Wanting to stop gambling altogether, then that's a, that's making mm. money. It's, it's the same thing. We yep. people tell us off because they think if someone's losing ten k a year and they've not lost ten k a year, they haven't made any money. Well, ten k they've made ten k. Free Canada trip every legit. Year. So that's essentially making money too. I don't know if you have anything to say, but I'm going to spontaneously launch a little competition here that you guys won't be happy this with. Good. Go for it. But um, we're going to do a little bit of a new one just to to help people learn and obviously. Um, get a little bit more engagement on our YouTube if you're watching this on YouTube. How much money are you going to give away right now? No money. Oh, okay. okay. Give away knowledge. Oh, okay. So I'll give away um, a Platinum Squad membership to the best comment in the YouTube. Essentially, it can be anything but a question. Probably go with a question, actually. If you want to ask a question in the YouTube comments, ask it. Best question will get a Platinum Squad membership and the second best question will get a yearly subscription to the system. So... Go away, write fucking 100 questions if you want. Um, but I just want to see a lot more random people engaging. Um, obviously, it's going to have to be two non-members for Platinum, but it can be for a member for the system. So if you have a question about anything, um, and we'll decide what the best one is. Um, if you want to make it about betting, should we make it about betting or just anything? I don't know. You're, you're making the competition. We'll, we'll, we'll keep the topic about what was in this podcast. So don't go and ask about fucking, I don't know. What you think? Uh, the, the, who's going to win the AFL this year? Like, let's talk about what was in Baggers. the podcast, huh? Baggers, Baggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not sure, but I probably I like the Blues. But no, in all seriousness, best comment wins a platinum. Second best comment wins a yearly system sub. So, go for it. Subscribe, and if you have any questions about anything we do, send us a DM on Instagram. Shout out to Nick from Freedom Furniture. Oh, yes, and who was the other guy? Fuck. I don't know his name. his name, but he'll know who he is from Nick yeah. Scarly. From Nick Scarly, the salesman there. Richmond on Church Street. Yeah. He uh, And to Shy Bolton, we walked past him the other day as well. Shy Bolton, yeah. If you're listening, Shy. Shy? And to the... Um, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> he can probably do with some punching. What else we got? Coco Republic for trying to rip us off. Oh, yeah, the couch. Couches. 29 and a half grand. If you're buying a couch that costs 29 and a half grand, you've also got rocks in your head. That's fucked. Well, it's all relative. Unless you pay for it with your match betting profit. I saw a guy That's correct. last year drop a crane on a Lamborghini, 250k. Like a drop. Is that that Russian YouTuber yeah. dude? Yeah. That's fucked. That <laughs> makes me sick to see, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> fucking. What's the discount code? We've gone a Discount code. Killy. Insta yeah, was... ten. Nah, Killy ten. Killy. Killy yeah. ten. How do you spell that? K I L L I. What about Africa ten? ten? All right, Africa ten. Easy to spell. Or ski 10. Gummies 10. Sorry, not ski. <laughs> THC 10. THC. <laughs> <laughs> What's the board that you used? No, no. Oh, Africa, Africa Ride 10. Like, 10. We've, we, just rump, we just wasted a minute of everyone's time. Africa 10. <laughs> Call it a day. All right. Good luck. See you next see time. See you in the office. Nah, this will be the last podcast you see in this shit room. We're yeah. done. So see you in, in the office. Fuck. See you in there. Ciao. Bye. Steve was 38 beers deep on, on, on another mountain, s- snowboarding down the side of it. Taking our kids. Sent off a fuck. Yeah, nailing little kids. <laughs> oh, not nailing, oh, 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 nailing their knees. <laughs>
fucking yeah, kneecapping board. him. As yeah, in yeah, taking them out on the hill. On but who's starting? It doesn't matter. Just clap. They can. Be And we're back for the system episode. I don't know what episode we're up to. Well, it can be. I don't know. What are we doing? Double, 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 double. <laughs> 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 What's happening to that cunt? Fresh lads. He was in. Hello, bears. And a bears.